This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash retailanywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retailanywhere. Hello, and welcome to Daily Drive. It's Thursday, March 24th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. We've got a slew of EV news, developments from Russia's month-old war against Ukraine, and an unfolding labor scandal. Also, later in the show, auto sales aren't jumping in March like they usually do. How's the rest of the year look? Not great. Now, let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. We'll begin with allegations against former Unifor president Jerry Dias. The Canadian Union's national board says Dias allegedly accepted $50,000 from a supplier of COVID-19 rapid test kits. He, or staff under his direction, then promoted the test kits to various Unifor employers. Unifor received a complaint about Dias in January and began an external investigation late that month. Dias stepped away from his role on February 6th, citing health issues. He then retired on March 11th, also citing the ongoing medical problems. In a statement to union members yesterday, Dias did not directly address the allegations against him, but he said he was seeking treatment for addiction. He said he has been using painkillers, sleeping pills, and alcohol to deal with a sciatic nerve issue. As we pivot to the EV news, let's stay in Canada for a bit. Stellantis and LG Energy Solution, with the backing from three levels of government, committed to spending $4.1 billion to build Canada's first large-scale EV battery plant. The factory will be located in Windsor, Ontario, right across the border from Detroit. The plant is expected to begin operations in 2024 and will have capacity to produce 45 gigawatt hours of lithium-ion battery cells and modules. It will supply EV assembly in Ontario and elsewhere in North America. We have much more on the plans at autonews.com. Stellantis and its Korean partner are also making news elsewhere. Stellantis says it will build an EV battery factory in southern Italy, this one with Mercedes-Benz and Total Energies. The three companies have a joint venture called Automotive Cells Company, and it will convert an existing engine plant into the battery factory. Meanwhile, LG Energy Solution is considering building a battery factory in Arizona to meet demand in the U.S. A spokesperson saying the company is considering a new production site, but nothing has been decided yet. Also in Arizona, Nicholas says it began production of its electric semi-trucks this week. The startup aims to deliver 300 to 500 of the heavy trucks this year. They have a range of 350 miles. And in Europe, Volkswagen Group will invest more than $7.7 billion in Spain to create an EV hub. The effort will include a new battery factory, along with retooling two assembly plants for EV production. Earlier this week, VW said it would make similar moves in North America with an investment of about $7 billion. Sticking with Europe, one month after Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Renault says it will suspend operations at its plant in Moscow. The move comes just days after it had restarted output. 
The French automaker says it's also considering the future of its majority stake in Autovaz, Russia's number one car maker. Renault gets about 10% of its revenue from Russia and has been reluctant to pull back from the country. However, the French automaker has faced increasing criticism after it resumed production in Moscow this week. And in Ukraine itself, the supplier Leone says it is ramping up production of wire harnesses at its two plants in the country, despite the continued attacks. Leone says workers will be operating under a nighttime curfew and their safety is its top priority. The German company says it is currently producing at about 40% of capacity in Ukraine. The lack of wire harnesses has disrupted output at several automakers in Europe. Not entirely clear how directly this is related, but Volkswagen Group says it will resume production at two EV plants in Germany next week. That's sooner than previously planned. The factories had been idled because of a shortage of parts made in Ukraine. And that's the news you need to know. American consumers are facing widespread inflation and rising interest rates, but it isn't enough to keep them from buying just about every crossover and pickup that can make it to a dealership. The problem? There still aren't enough vehicles getting made. We'll take a global look after this. As online experiences have continued to evolve, it's clear dealers need an approach that will keep them in the business for the long term. Chris Walsh, Casey Edwards, and Dave Bates, top Reynolds executives, sat down to discuss today's digital retailing landscape. Here's an excerpt from that roundtable discussion. So what are dealers trying to do to get this fully online and online to in-store experience? I mean, that's a great question, and honestly, it's, a, it's kind of a hard one to answer because retailers are kind of defining and using digital retailing differently. You know, to some dealers, it's selling a car. To other, it's sales and F&I, and they, they tend to be approaching it in chunks versus, you know, kind of a holistic, holistic approach, and then you end up just focusing on one or two things when you need to focus on, you know, more of a big picture. Digital retailing is dealership operations, period. Reynolds' Retail Anywhere approach focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this big picture, holistic approach, visit rayray.com slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retail anywhere. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters. The first quarter of 2022 is almost over and the first sales estimates are starting to come out. They aren't pretty. LMC Automotive and J.D. Power put out forecasts together, and while they said March sales volumes are rising from February, it wasn't by nearly as much as usual. Prices are up and incentives are down, a record low this month, according to Power and LMC, but the main culprit is supply, and with the war in Ukraine dragging on for a month now, the outlook is murky at best. To help me get a handle on the dynamics at play, I reached out to Jeff Schuster, president of America's Operations and Global Vehicle Forecasts for LMC Automotive. Jeff Schuster, welcome back to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me. Look forward to discussion today. So you, uh, J.D. Power and LMC, uh, came out this week with uh, projections for March SAR in the U.S. It'll be the lowest yet this year, despite strong demand and available credit. Uh, supply just continues to be so constrained. Uh, what's what's going on out there? 
You're absolutely right. Um, this this remains a supply constraint story. Um, although I would like to not like to, but I would I, I would argue that we're we're starting to get in that range where where we see some some actual consumer impact where we're pushing some consumers out of the market. Um, I suppose the good news out there is pricing is it's elevated, no question about that, but it's it's leveling off. Uh, so that at least is is not um, pushing additional consumers out. But the, but we do definitely see um, levels of pent up demand is still there. There are a lot of a lot of folks out there um, waiting and, and looking for vehicles that just aren't around. Uh, so that that's what's really driving what's happening in March. It's it's all about the lack of availability of, uh, of vehicles to sell. You mentioned some consumers maybe getting pushed out of the market. Are you talking about inflationary factors outside of the high price of vehicles? Yeah, you know, I think it's a combination. It, it, inflationary impact is certainly in the background, so cost of everything. Um, but I think if you then add the inflationary impact on the vehicle itself, and the because of lack of availability, and the the uh, you know the deals are just not out there. Uh, most vehicles, unless you're lucky enough to have employee pricing, and even I'm hearing those aren't even being honored in some cases, um, which is a problem. Uh, that we may not get into today, but um, other vehicles for for the average consumer out there, you know, they're they're paying sticker and in some cases above sticker. So the the challenge is is certainly for those that are on a limited monthly budget for their vehicle costs. Uh, you're in an environment where interest rates are are starting to increase, um, and I suspect looking at the some of the captives, what they've done already. Um, those interest rates are, are, are nudging up in anticipation of further rate hikes, not, not uh, really taking into account just that quarter, uh, quarter point that has happened so far. So I think we are kind of, we're at that, that transition point when we could see some of those consumers uh, that are on a tight budget, not being able to afford a, a new vehicle. Uh, they look at the used car market and they're running into the same problem. So uh, those, you know, the, those consumers are, are likely to struggle in the months ahead and, until we see this inventory replenishment take place. One of the things that stood out to me in the J.D. Power LMC release, in addition to, of course, incentives <laughs> falling to record lows, down 69% from a year earlier, but that leasing remains so persistently low, 18% compared with more like 30% pre-pandemic. What what's it going to take to level that out? Is it a matter of the residual values getting back in line, or is there just not enough motivation to make any sort of lease offer when there are so many people in the market? Yeah, I, I think it's the lack of lease offers out there. Um, obviously, the the rate hike has an impact on that as well. Um, I mean, residual should be there because used car pricing is strong. Um, you know, that's not likely to go away in two or three years. It will likely be off of where it is today. I think that's not sustainable, the levels that we're seeing today, but but residuals should still be, uh, you know, be relatively strong. I think when we look into the near future, it really becomes a lack of availability. And I think the other factor is we're looking at um, consumers using long loans uh, as a way to manage that monthly payment down. And that's more attractive in, in, in the current environment than, than say a two or three year lease. 
So bigger picture, we came into the year knowing that inventory was tight, uh, but anticipating that chip supplies would improve over the course of the year, leading to more production and sales volume, especially in the second half. Now with the war in Ukraine and other setbacks, that optimism for a smooth recovery seems uh, long gone and the outlook is murkier than ever. Uh, what is your what are your projections for the U.S. and globally, and, and how has it changed since the start of the year? Um, yeah, no question. We have been on a downward revision a couple of times since the beginning of the year, most recently um, uh, in March here, really with the, w- with the Ukraine war, um, obviously adding an additional layer of risk uh, to the environment. But I think in addition to that, even without that, I think we would have been looking at a downward revision. Uh, it's just compounded now um, because the idea of a really strong rebound in inventory levels, um, mainly due to an increase in, in availability of, of, uh, of semiconductors, uh, but also other components that have, you know, that have been in short supply. We had a pretty deep recovery of that in the second half of the year that just, uh, you know, as we started getting into uh, once we got past January and really we saw some improvements overall in less, I guess, less massive disruption than we saw in the second half of last year, but it's still been very disruptive. And I think the combination of that with, uh, you know, with the the war in Ukraine uh, and the uncertainty around that uh, as it relates to higher oil prices, uh, just commodity shortages or, or, or price increases, as well as just uh, additional pressure on the supply chain. Combination of those two things uh, really have caused us to push out this recovery in 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 supply. Ultimately, then uh, causing a reduction in demand. So we've globally uh, we've taken out uh, a little over three million units, about three point two million units out of our global light vehicle forecast. We're, we're sitting now for twenty twenty two at uh, eighty two point six million. Um, so we're, we're kind of walking things down. It's still an increase over over twenty twenty one levels, um, but but not to the not to the extent we we thought at the end of last year or even the beginning of this year. I think there's further downside risk as well. Uh, we're sitting on just a multitude of variables that that could certainly cause additional disruptions, including the uh, the latest outbreak of uh, of COVID in China, which is you know with their zero COVID policy, um, the restrictions have been put in place, and and we've had to downgrade the China outlook as well. What is your and the U.S. forecast? Oh, sorry. The, the U.S. forecast, yeah, we're, we're um, also looking at a, a lower expectation. So last year was uh, 14.9 million for the U.S. Uh, right now we're sitting at 15.3. Um, we were as high as 15.9 towards the end of last year. So, you know, we've, we've walked back about 600,000 units uh, just in the U.S. In the, in the first quarter of this year. Wow. Yeah, that, that feels about right to me. I was definitely thinking if production could pick up at all, it would easily, you know, race ahead to 16 million. And now it's like, it just can't, you know, the, the earthquake in Japan and like uh, other setbacks, like you said, production cuts in China with every outbreak uh, just keeps rippling uh, through the industry. And then of course the, the Ukraine situation on top of that. Absolutely. I mean, on top of all that, you've got logistic problems with uh, with lack of sufficient ships and trucking, 
not just in the U.S., of course, but around the world. So, you know, those those are adding pressure and putting additional delays um, with uh, vehicle deliveries. So, I, I think the bottom line is here. You know, we, we were looking at a similar situation last year when the when the chip uh, shortage became a uh, an, an issue and, and was looking to be more of an issue than than a you know very short term blip. Uh, but it was looking like a second half recovery last year, and then we saw what happened. Things uh, things did get worse. While I don't think that's necessarily the case as things getting worse as the second half uh, takes place in in 2022, but they certainly aren't going to recover to the levels of of, of normal. Uh, so I I think we've this is going to be with the industry for a while. The industry is going to have to deal with it and and find creative ways around the the issue. Jeff Schuster, LMC Automotive. Thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks, Jamie. Appreciate it. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. You can get all the news on supply, demand, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Thanks to Nathan Kadick for editing today's show. Thanks to the ANTV team and web editor Victor Galvan for their help. And thanks to you for listening and making the show part of your daily routine. Now let's all get back to work. <laughs>